Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on November 26, 2023. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you'd like to contribute financially to help sustain the ministries at St. Mark's, you'll find more information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's Pastor Mark Gravrock with the Gospel reading. The Holy Gospel for Reign of Christ Sunday is written in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are cursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The good news, the gospel message, comes to us this morning from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Here it is. God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above every name that is named. And then there's a sequel, a part two for the good news, just a few verses later in Paul. Paul says it's not only Jesus who sits at God's right hand in the heavenly places. Paul writes, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, that may feel just a little random, 
in the first place, we might use up and down language, but we don't tend to experience the universe as up and down any longer. Which way is heaven? Which way is up when the world is a globe? In the second place, we confess that Christ is now seated at God's right hand, but where is God's right hand? Do we imagine that God's right hand is a place somewhere? Third, king. We don't have kings anymore or queens, except sort of by extension over there in Britain, and we still hang on to them a little bit. What do we make of king language for Christ and, and Christ's care of this whole globe? And then finally, there are these powers, those powers that Christ is seated above, those rulers and authorities and powers and principalities, those spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, as Paul says later on in Ephesians. What are we talking about? Is this the devil and all the demonic hierarchies? For better or worse, Paul never defines those powers. His audience knew what he meant. He knew what he meant. He leaves us guessing. So we need a context. Let's start with Gaza, with Israel and Palestine, with the IDF and Hamas. Are any of you living in grief and horror over this new chapter? I am. I myself have tried to follow the conflict since, I think, 1989 when I first had a chance to visit there, and that visit made me aware of this century-long story of grief. We know full well that the mass of ordinary folks, both in Palestine and in Israel, want peace. Israelis and Palestinians both, Jews and Muslims and Christians and folks of no faith at all, they all long to be able to live together as neighbors, to conduct their lives, to see their children grow up with healthy, healthy secure lives, and not to hand on generations of inherited trauma. We know full well that it's a handful of radicalized people on both sides that keep the bloodshed flowing. Why? Out of a demoralized, demoralizing oppression? Out of embedded hate? Out of hopelessness and fear? Out of greed for power? Why do they keep doing it? Why do we do it? What drives us human beings to keep on perpetuating this deadly wound generation after generation? What's wrong with us? Let's try another matter. Our political and social divisiveness. You wanted to come to church and hear about all this stuff today, right? <laughs> you know, it wasn't all that many years ago when we were actually able to sit down and have civil conversations with those that we disagree with. We could work together across the aisle, making healthy compromises for the good of everyone. It wasn't that long ago that we could keep friendships with people who didn't get everything quite as right as I do. What happened to us over this last decade? Why is it that today I would rather despise my opponents from afar and never speak with them instead of seeking to understand them and embrace them? What's wrong with me? Here's another one. Some of you, I know, have been gifted with enormous compassion for folks who are struggling. And for you, the parable of the sheep and the goats is one that resonates deeply with you. Your heart, your Jesus heart, goes out automatically to people in need. This morning's forum by our Hunger Alliance at 945 is a marvelous case in point. Well, I'm there too 
on some level, but I've also been warped, maybe by my own fears, maybe by too many years of being targeted in church offices by people whose stories I too often suspected were scams. I have to work at it to recognize Jesus in the faces of need. I have to work at it to set aside my jadedness and actually to listen to people's stories and people's hearts. So what's wrong with me? We could go on. Last Wednesday at our noon Bible study, I asked the group, what are the forces that warp our lives and distort our compassion? Do you know what the first one was that they named? The media. And everybody agreed with that one. And then we went on from there to add to those social, add, add those social contracts, contra, social constructs that define our lives to just about anything that we can add ism onto. Racism, sexism, classism, communism and capitalism, liberalism and conservatism, Americanism and globalism, Lutheranism, Catholicism, Judaism, we can go on and on. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being Lutheran or American. There's nothing wrong with, wrong with being liberal or conservative or male or female. But every group that we belong to, for every category that we use to define ourselves, there is a spirit. My middle-class life has a spirit that shapes me. My being a lutefisk-eating Norwegian has its own spirit. I'm kind of alone in that one. My being an older white male has a spirit that shapes me in ways that I don't recognize until someone else calls my attention to it. My allegiance to the Seahawks has its own spirit. Have you ever been to a game and watched how people behave? Or watched how you yourself behave? What kind of spirit is that? Well, the point of all this is that these spirits shape us. They control us in ways that we don't even know. When we're not aware, these spirits twist us out of our God-given human shape. What's wrong with Israel and Hamas? That they choose to perpetuate such horror on their own children? What's wrong with me when I would rather detest my political opponent than listen to them? What's wrong with me when I automatically hear stories of need as scams rather than look for Jesus' eyes? The spirits, the powers and principalities, the isms and the triggers that twist us out of shape and keep us locked in harmful responses, that's what's wrong with me. That's what's wrong with you. Long ago, the prophet Isaiah, as we heard this morning, voiced our helplessness and our hopelessness. O oh Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but we acknowledge your name alone. Like a woman writhing through labor pains, so are we. We are with child and we writhe, but we give birth only to wind. We have won no victories on the earth. Isaiah knew how this feels. In Ephesians, the, the Apostle Paul writes his letter to a culture that's locked in fear. Fear of spiritual powers that dominate and wound lives. Fear of the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
For people out of control and living in fear, here is Paul's gospel. Ready to listen to it again? God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly places, far above all the spirits that warp us, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above every name that is named. Whatever powers are there, and Paul never does define them, whatever powers are there are still there. And the powers still have power to warp us and damage our lives with one another. But Jesus Christ died for us. He submitted to death under those powers that gleefully crushed him. And then God raised Jesus from death. And now, wherever the right hand of God is, and it doesn't really matter to try to locate it because God's hand of power is everywhere, wherever God, God's right hand is, there sits Christ, enthroned, Christ the King, enthroned far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above all the spirits that warp our lives, far above the isms that define me and control me, far above the, the fear and power lust and entrenched hatred that keeps the IDF and Hamas sacrificing children, far above my entrenched rightness that keeps me from listening to my opponent, far above my fear and jadedness that keeps me from seeing Jesus in the face of need, even far above the need to have the Seahawks win. Christ is King. Jesus is Lord. The spirit of Jesus, God's wisdom spirit, she is brooding over the, water, the chaos waters of our lives with freedom, peace, and compassion. And then there's that second part of Paul's gospel. It's not only Jesus who sits at God's right hand. God made us alive together with Christ. God raised us up with him. God seated us with Christ in the heavenly places, far above all the powers that warp us. And that means... You have been set free. Those powers that warp us, we no longer have to submit. We no longer have to jump to their command. In Christ, we have been set free to make new choices, to give birth to something new in this world. Christ the King Sunday, the reign of Christ Sunday, this wrap-up of the church year, is kind of a strange Sunday. It brings the Christian story to its conclusion, to a world redeemed and made new, to the overthrow of all the, all the powers, to Jesus' eternal reign of compassion and grace. And it gets us ready to start the story all over again next Sunday with Advent. And it happens to be true. The end of the story is that love wins, that peace wins that the embrace of God's grace in Christ wins after all. That promise pulls us forward, trusting and sure, when everything looks bleak. But God's word for the future is also a word for right now. Jesus sits above all the powers. The crucified and risen Jesus reigns now over a warped and broken world. And you... Beloved of God, you are freed, freed to choose love, freed to choose peace, freed to choose understanding, freed to choose grace, 
because grace has chosen you. Amen. You've been listening to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. Thanks for joining us.